0: Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman-Torpey. And I'm Pete Torpey.
1: You know, I'm not taking credit for this. This is a simple idea. The idea really came about from a mechanical keyboard that I had bought several years ago that um, really has The perfect size, the perfect touch, the perfect separation and everything for, you know, ergonomically spaced keys. And uh, thinking, wow, man, if I just had a Braille display in this keyboard, this, this would be perfect. You could take it anywhere, just plug it in.
2: And that was the birth of the concept of developing a refreshable Braille display with an integrated QWERTY keyboard.
0: We'll speak with Larry Scutcon, who retired last week from the American Printing House for the Blind, about that device and about many other interesting recent products from the APH. So we'd like to congratulate Larry on his long and fruitful career and wish him the best in his next phase of his life. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Larry Skutkan.
1: Don't be afraid to try anything, whether it be an idea for something you want to develop or a new skill that you want to investigate, jump in there. We have never in the history of blindness had more information at our fingertips than we do now to be able to research and interact uh, with the rest of the world. That's my tip.
2: And that is certainly a tip that will never grow old.
0: You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Larry and learning about the American Printing House for the Blind.
1: Hi, I'm Larry Scootcon. I'm the Director of Technology Product Research at American Printing House for the Blind. I've been there. Uh, about 35 years and love every minute of it.
2: Now, APH does a whole world of things these days, but maybe we can focus on what your particular division or organization does.
1: Sure. We are really APH's uh, software and sometimes hardware development arm. So we write software, uh, produce products. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, as you know, you, you've probably seen some of our products, Um Some of the less known ones, hardware-wise, one I'm particularly proud of is a a little thing called Braille Buzz. And what this is, is a toy for young children to help them uh, have their first experiences with Braille.
2: You've managed to partner with a number of other outside organizations to develop some neat products, like the Bookport and the Bookport Plus, which I still use the Bookport Plus for a long time. And your Orbit Reader, your Braille device.
1: And now we're partnering with uh, HumanWare and ViewPlus to do embossers. We've got a couple of embossers coming out here this summer. And um, one of the things uh, we've also partnered with HumanWare on is this uh, Mantis uh, 40-cell Braille display with a QWERTY keyboard.
2: And we'll be talking about that more extensively in just a bit, but that's a great way of developing some of these products to leverage off some of the expertise and some of the groundwork that other organizations have laid.
1: Absolutely, our our new president, Craig Mater, is uh, really big on these partnerships and, and he's absolutely right. It makes, uh you know, we can't do everything in-house. We have our, our specialties and we could contribute to other companies that have uh, the expertise in other places.
0: So most of your clients and most of our listeners have visual impairments. Do you?
1: I do. I'm totally blind. I've been blind since I was uh, 20 from uh, detached retinas in both eyes. So I'm starting to get used to it now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I just wanted to mention another one of your products that we actually use in the production of Eyes on Success, Studio Recorder, which is an audio editing program, I guess, developed for Talking books primarily, but used by podcasters and other folks like ourselves.
1: Absolutely, yeah. As you know, Pete, we're in uh, doing some revisions to that software now, and it's really funny looking back at the documentation, that program's actually 20 years old. Wow. And it uh, hasn't changed substantially except for you know now that we're adding more features to it. But yes, it was originally developed for spoken word content, so it's really like using a word processor. We tried to make it so that, you know, shift and the arrows would select things. Uh, you, can, you can also use other means of selection as well, but uh, I think one of the really more interesting features of it is it has phrase detection, so it's really easy to review a lot of audio material by moving through it by short, medium, and long phrases. And usually the short ones are sentences. So when you listen to your talking books that came from APH, they were actually recorded on Studio Recorder.
0: Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners.
2: Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net.
0: This week's focus topic is the new Mantis Q40 Braille display with QWERTY keyboard from the American Printing House for the Blind.
2: Anyway, today we wanted to talk about this new product that you referenced in our introduction, and it's called the Mantis. Can you describe what the product is? And then we'll talk about motivation behind its development and how it came to be.
1: The Mantis is a 40-cell Braille display with a QWERTY keyboard. And it's meant to be used with multiple devices. So you can connect it to five other Bluetooth devices and one USB device uh, and switch between them at will. It's a nice, compact size. The keyboard is not crowded at all, and it's a good quality keyboard. It's trying to use you know, pretty much the latest kind of technology. We're uh, g- giving you a USB-C charging port uh, this time, as well as a USB-A to load in a flash drive or whatever like that. Also comes with an SD card slot. And uh, Bluetooth, of course, to connect it to all your other devices. And then Wi-Fi to be able to directly download books from Bookshare and Newsline.
2: Oh, how nice.
1: Also, the Wi-Fi is uh, good for keeping the software up to date. So it automatically alerts you when you're connected to a network to, uh, that, that there's a new version available and asks if you want to download it. And the, the whole idea with this, or, or one of the aspects of it is it's got local functionality for the basics, like an editor and a book reader and a calculator. And you uh, are meant to connect it to your PC or your phone to do more advanced things like browsing the web or uh, you know, using something like Microsoft Word to do a highly formatted or structured document. Um, it, Like I said, it does have an editor in it, but it's really a, a basic editor. You're not going to write your thesis with it or anything like that.
2: Well, and I guess that's mostly for taking short notes if you want to jot down a phone number or remember a phone number.
1: Yep, yep, exactly. So it's something to give it some functionality while you're not connected for whatever reason
0: hmm I'm sitting here in front of Pete's QWERTY keyboard and his separate 40-cell Braille display, and they are coincidentally almost exactly the same width.
1: Isn't that amazing?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing this was related
1: <laughs> to the design
0: choices. Can you describe the physical layout of the Mantis?
1: Yeah, so picture a good quality um, laptop keyboard with separation and markings on the proper keys. And then towards you, closer than uh, the space bar, is a line of 40 cells of Braille with the uh, cursor router keys above each one. And then on the front of the device are your typical human wear thumb controls and also a home button that gets you back uh, out of the terminal into uh, another application. Then along the left side, you've got your power and your USB charging and your USB-A connector. On the back is the uh, SD card, so it's a really nice size and comfortable keyboard.
2: That is nice.
1: The whole idea is, you know, you want, when you're switching from computer to computer or device to device, it's so annoying to have to switch your Braille display and your keyboard, and this really gives you everything all in one, plus the ability to not have to try to figure out crazy commands like Control-Alt-F4 on a Braille keyboard, uh, which can be done but is a, a learning experience. And, and Pete, you being, or both of y'all in the technical field, you know as well as I do that while Braille is great, it is actually more efficient to type on a full keyboard, especially for technical documents, mathematical things.
2: Well, that's what caught my attention when I saw this device. I thought for many years that people ought to make these Braille displays with QWERTY keyboards. In fact, my first device like that was the TypeLite, and then I moved to the PacMate portable Braille device, and that I always had those with QWERTY keyboards. But I don't think there are many others made with QWERTY keyboards. They're all Braille keyboards. And, you know, my concept is that, especially being a technologist, and even in the rest of the world, computers are so ubiquitous. People are used to the paradigm of Windows or Mac and using a real QWERTY keyboard. Exactly. And the function keys, control keys, etc. As you pointed out, Braille is perhaps not as quick. There's always these special commands that you have to remember. You know, if you're used to using a regular computer, it's got to be more tricky using a Braille keyboard.
1: And and there's plenty of places where a Braille keyboard is great. And I I would say most of the time, you'll use a Braille keyboard when space is a concern. But since we've already got 40 cells here, why not go for the whole enchilada, as they say?
2: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So you also mentioned that the device can hook up to various other devices via Bluetooth. Can you connect this to something like your iPhone or Android device as a Braille display?
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: And how about your PC? Are there drivers to enable this to be used as a screen display and keyboard using a screen reader?
1: Yes, there sure are for all the major screen readers.
2: Well, that's tremendous. Yeah. So what protocols are used for the braille display these days? How are they able to hook up so seamlessly to other devices?
1: We're uh, implementing, I think you've probably heard about this new HID protocol for braille that uh, Apple and Microsoft had introduced. And we are implementing that protocol. So as the uh, screen readers get updated, they'll all be switching over to that. But in the meantime, you you are stuck with a driver situation every now and then.
2: So for people who may not be aware, this HIB protocol has been developed to make it easy to essentially treat our refreshable braille displays as plug and play with any other device.
1: Exactly.
2: So I understand that you were one of the drivers behind this concept of marrying a QWERTY keyboard once again with a braille display. I was wondering, how that came about in your head and what kind of resistance you had to overcome to get this type of idea off the ground.
1: Well, there's there's resistance to every idea, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that can be frustrating sometimes, but it's certainly understandable because you can't just jump into a thing without some careful planning because these things are expensive to make. But the way it really came about, and... You know, I'm not taking credit for this. This is a simple idea, as, as you've said, Pete. You've you've been doing this for years. The idea was, though, in fact, it really came about from a mechanical keyboard that I had bought a f- several years ago that um, really has the perfect size, the perfect touch, the perfect separation and everything for, you know, ergonomically spaced keys. And uh, thinking, wow, man, if I just had a Braille display in this keyboard, this, this would be perfect. You could take it anywhere, just plug it in. And, and you know, it's not just uh, moving from your own computers. It's like you think of these students that are going to take standardized tests and they're expected to get onto a keyboard where they don't necessarily know where all the keys are, uh, especially when you're talking about laptops.
2: Yes, and you don't want to be hauling around two devices either.
1: Right, exactly. So when you plug this in, the keyboard is immediately available, and then once you run the screen reader, the Braille comes up on it.
2: So I guess, as you said, there's always resistance to new ideas. And part of that is, oh, I don't like that idea. And part of it is just resources. Now, with your limited resources at APH, you clearly couldn't develop this all in-house. How did you work out the partnership deals? How do, how do you reach out to people when you want to do something like that?
1: You know, we do that all the time. You know, it's just a matter of doing the shoe leather, as they say, just knocking on the door and saying, are you interested in, in partnering with us? Uh you know, we always put out a request for information and proposals with any kind of new idea we have and we run them through uh, committees that vet them and make sure they're following the uh, APH strategic goals and that they're meeting the needs of the people that we serve and uh, developing partnerships is is you know just one of the many many tools we have in the toolbox to accomplish these goals
2: and I guess you found HumanWare to be pretty receptive to this idea.
1: They were very receptive, yes. And and they had good experience. You know, uh, HumanWare had done a QWERTY uh, note-taker several years ago called the uh, Apex, I believe it was. So they had already been down this road. This one's a little different because we scaled way back on its internal functionality. So this, you know, this one doesn't include a browser or email Client or anything like that. The idea is you connect it to your iPhone or your PC for those kind of things.
2: Yeah, the world has changed since then. I mean, my PacMate had all those functions in it a mini version of Word and a browser, et cetera, et cetera. But these days, because of all these portable connected devices like your phone and being able to connect to PCs via Bluetooth, you don't need that functionality in your Braille keyboard device.
1: That, plus it's impossible, impossible for a small company like Freedom or HumanWare or, or APH to keep up with Google and Microsoft and Apple on browser advancements.
2: So walk us through the development process. Once you decided to work with HumanWare on this and you had the concept How long does it take to get this all together? I mean, you didn't have to develop a lot of new technologies from scratch, because I'm sure you could take an off-the-shelf Braille display, an off-the-shelf keyboard. But give us an idea of the development process for people who may not be familiar with those kinds of processes.
1: Sure. Yeah, this one went remarkably smoothly, too. Um, I don't know the exact timeline, but once all the contracts were signed and we were ready to go, it was probably not much more than a year that it actually took to get this out. But what it involves, uh, like anything else, is developing specifications for it. Um, You know, we hear a lot about uh, agile software development, and we are all about that. But at the same time, you need to know ahead of time what you're expecting this to do. And we had a good, clear picture of that. We all agreed on it. And while HumanWare was sourcing out the components and we were doing uh, research and and, uh, field testing for which keyboard would be the most appropriate, uh, running it by uh, other people for their opinions. So getting all the hardware pieces together, like you mentioned, and the whole rest of the time was just developing that software, that editor, the terminal. You know, the terminal is a big deal because that's a big part of this. And uh, the book reader and the, and the newsstand app. So uh, we uh, had a iteration process. We'd, you know, try to get a new version of the software out every three or four weeks, run it through the testing, file tickets on it. Uh, you know, you got this right, you got this wrong, you didn't see this, blah, blah, blah. And it really was pretty uh, amazing working with a, a highly professional team at HumanWare because they, you know, they've got a lot of developers, they've got a lot of experience. So uh, I think it went extremely smoothly.
2: That's impressive to do such a product like that in less than a year. I yeah.
1: almost think that's
0: impossible.
1: I know it, especially if you've been in product development. You know, you know that's a pretty tight timeline. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, oh, sir. yeah, been there. So I'm curious, I understand APH has a lot of staff members who would be prospective users of a device like this, but did you use just internal people or did you reach out to external people as well for developing the customer requirements and testing the various iterations?
1: We always reach to external people as well. Yeah, uh, it's... Not a good idea to keep everything in house. Uh, you know, people have their ideas, and uh, you want to—you really want to try to get as wide a variety of opinions as possible on on anything you develop, not not just this device.
0: Oh, definitely. We used to do the same thing at Xerox. So,
2: is this product currently for sale?
1: It is. Ah, and the the price is pretty amazing too uh, twenty four hundred and ninety five dollars.
2: That's pretty good for a forty-cell Braille display with some extra built-in
0: capabilities.
1: Yeah, you know, I I wish it had been a thousand dollars, but no, no can do. Yeah. Tried.
0: <laughs> so I'm curious, where did the name come from, and what does it mean?
1: Our marketing department tries to come up with motifs, and the whole Braille ecosystem was the garden motif. So first we came out with the Braille Trail Reader, uh, which was a 14-cell Braille display. And this one was a mantis, as a as you know, something you would find in a guard. Uh,
0: That's a large insect.
1: I think of it like a praying mantis, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. You know, the next one coming out is the chameleon. It's a 20-cell it's a display with uh, audio capabilities with it. So, yeah, just a fun thing to tie them together and to give them some unity and cohesion. So I wonder, before we
2: leave you, if you can give us a quick update on one of your Braille devices that you were developing a while back, last time we talked with a representative from APH, the Orbit Reader.
1: Uh Uh-huh. We are still selling the Orbit Reader, and Orbit is still updating it. Um, You know, this was a result of a pretty extensive collaboration uh, with a whole consortium of organizations from around the world to try to break the sort of mold of expensive uh, technology for, for reproducing Braille.
2: This was a lot less expensive than traditional refreshable Braille displays.
1: Yeah, that is one of the few electronic devices that has not followed Moore's law. And this group, these 11 organizations, got together and tried to find, did fund, the development of something that would, the goal was to cost um, 20% of what the previous generation was. And I, I think we came pretty darn close to that.
0: Is there anything we
1: missed? I do want to mention a couple of other uh, new software Things that we've come out with here in the last uh, oh the last several months, and these are uh, web-based applications, so they're cross-platform. One of them is a crossword puzzle-solving tool that tries to faithfully render the experience of what how a sighted person would solve a crossword puzzle. So you've got the Grid and accessible way to move through the grid and hear what the intersecting letters are and a good, easy way to go through the clues, and get back to the grid in the right place. Compatibility with uh, the popular crossword puzzle file formats, including uh, the ones that the New York Times uh, publishes. So that is actually available for free. And it is at uh, the website crossword.aphtech.org. And then we have another one that just came out that is a web-based version of our uh, talking typer. So it's a a way to teach you typing with audio feedback. That one is at typer.aphtech.org. Then, of course, we've got a couple of uh, newer uh, math tutorials UEB Math and a Nemeth tutorial that are available at nemeth.aphtech.org and uebmath.aphtech.org. And then finally, one other thing. Um, so we have a, another fun app that is the uh, software equivalent of the Braille Buzz hardware that is meant to be a student's first. Um, experience with a refreshable braille display and that should be coming out soon or possibly even be out by the time the show airs and it runs on ios and android both
0: and earlier in the show you mentioned the braille buzz can you tell us a little more about that
1: that's a braille keyboard and then 26 um, little buttons with braille letters on them and you've push the buttons, and it tells you what the letter is and what the dots are and so forth. And and it's really, I think, one of the most interesting things about it is that we were able to get it out at a price, which is hard to do in a low-incidence population, as you know, um, for less than $100.
2: Wow, that is impressive. Yeah, it's not like you can sell a hundred million of these and reduce the cost per unit. It's a lot of development cost and then marketing cost, and it tends to be kind of expensive.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, millions is not something we've ever seen. You know, thousands and hundreds even are good numbers for us. <laughs> yeah.
0: You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Mantis Q40 and other products from APH, and how to contact either APH or Larry Scootcan directly.
2: So if people are interested in finding out more about the Mantis or APH, tell us where to go.
1: APH.org is the best place to go, and just type it in the search bar there, and I think you'll get... uh... As much information as you could possibly take. And if it's not, uh, there's uh, contacts on there for contacting uh, customer service. And uh, documentation's up there for them, uh, ordering information, prices, of course. So aph.org is the place.
0: Do you also have a social media presence?
1: Very much so. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Boy, here's where I show my age, Nancy. I'm, I'm not such a great uh, social media enthusiast, but <laughs> I think we're on all the, all the regular places.
0: <laughs> if anybody had a question for you specifically, is there a way they can reach you?
1: Yep. I have a really cool email address at APH, technology at APH.org.
2: Is there a phone number that people can call if they had questions and wanted to interact that way?
1: Eight hundred two two three eighteen thirty nine.
2: And if you're looking for any of that contact information, including what Larry calls all the regular places, that will be in our show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net.
0: That's it for show 2037. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the intersection of race and blindness. Anil Lewis is the executive director of blindness initiatives for the National Federation of the Blind. He says that being black helped him be blind, and being blind helped him understand that black lives matter. We'll talk with Anil about his experiences as a blind person of color and how those experiences affected his life and ambitions.
2: And Anil certainly had some interesting observations to share with us, and we hope. You'll
0: join us next week to listen to that. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpey and Peter Torpey, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast,
2: and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net.